championship on the line right here. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Hello, welcome to 4th and 5, your Longhorn Nation podcast. I am your host, Will Bazer, and I'm joined alongside by Darius Terrell. If you guys are listening to the Hornscast channel, which you can find on any podcasting channel out there, that's my dog. We're back to talk about National Signing Day, give you a little bit of notes over how we feel about this class, how we feel about Steve Sarkeesian as a recruiter, and go over all the new players that are going to be Longhorns, Don the Burnt Orange, next year. Also kind of give you a preview of the Washington Huskies, who Texas is playing in the Alamo Bowl on the 29th at 8 p.m., a late game. That's the show today. Darius, how was your Christmas? We are we are uh, recording this right now on the 26th. What's going on, Will? What's up, everybody? Um, I can't complain about anything. Christmas has been great to me and my family. Um, it's always great, you know, the end of the year to get to see, you know, see people and you know, hang with folks you don't get to see, you know, usually on a day-to-day basis. So, man, everything's good. Everybody's, you know, fortunate and appreciative over here, man. And I'm, I'm fortunate and appreciative to be on here with y'all today. So, man, looking forward to having a great show. And hopefully, you know, we can keep you all busy for the next hour or so. How would you get for Christmas? What was your favorite thing you got for Christmas? Man, I got some really nice colognes this year, um, as well as uh, got a pair of shoes. You know, I'm not a big I'm not a, my birthday is what about two weeks before Christmas, so you know it's always my whole life is kind of run together for me, man. So I I've never been a big because of that I haven't never I've never been a big gift guy, you know. I see. But um, I got a couple things. Got some nice cologne. Got a pair of shoes. I'm good, man. I'm I'm, I'm it's more about everybody else, and you know, I got two young sons, so I got to keep you know them and the wife, everybody, make sure everybody else is laced up. I get that. Yeah, for me it was uh the parents donated to the honeymoon fund. So there you go. I'm pretty happy about that. Hey, they waiting on that grandbaby now. Say they pay for it. <laughs> Is that why they pay for it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh yeah, let's go ahead and get right into this, man. Uh so National Sign Day came and went last week. Texas, it was actually not too many fireworks for Texas, but it wasn't a bad day. Uh, you know, they they got what was it, two more commits in, but beyond that, everybody who committed signed. They didn't lose many players. But let's talk about where we would rate this class, Darius, right now. In total, you're looking at this class. You're looking at the 22, 23 players that Texas has committed to them right now. You know, and let's also add the transfers, uh, Gavin Holmes and Ryan Sanborn. How would you? How do you feel right now about this class coming in to 2023? Uh, like like anybody, like everybody that follows, you know, their their football programs or fans of any programs. You, you feel like, you know, it's, it's Christmas, you know, you, everybody, you know, the upside, the, the best things about everybody is all going to come true. And, you know, on the backside of that, especially if you add in with the transfer portal these days, man, the truth is you bring in a 25 man class uh, of high school kids. You're hoping that maybe you hit on 40 percent of them, mm-hmm. you know, and and with the way it is today, you supplement that, you know, with the portal and things like that. But no, Texas, I believe on paper, um, according to whichever website you're looking at. Um, I've seen them ranked as high as number three nationally. I believe if that holds, that will be the highest ranked class to come into Texas since the class I was actually in in 2010. And everybody knows how that all worked out. So, you know, it doesn't really mean anything, you know, but at the same time, hey, look at these amazing young prospects. We can dream big on all of them, man. And hey, that's what this is for today. But, uh, but no, I, I think Texas fans should be excited about it. I think you got a lot of really talented young athletes coming in. 
Right. So based on the needs that Texas has this coming year, what what would you say are their biggest needs? Probably defensive defensive end, right? Cornerback. Oh, yeah. There was no bigger need, in my opinion, than than for Texas. Well, no, Texas needs DBs, but also a glaring one, especially last year. Remember how upset we were, a uh, linebacker. Yes. And I don't think you could do any better than they did. Yeah. Uh, wide receiver, I thought was another need for Texas. I think that's just generally in this day and age of college football, wide receiver might be one of the most, if not the most, important position. I think there's some there could probably be some discussion around that, but it's one of the most important positions out there. So I always put that as one of the top positions of need. How do you feel Texas did in this class overall? Um, you talking about a wide receiver? Or I'm just... talking about in just gen- general in terms of addressing the needs that they had. Um. Uh... So the biggest needs were you thinking what edge rusher, linebacker, and what'd you say, wide receiver? Wide receiver, um, cornerback, defensive back. Cornerback, I, I don't think they've done a great job. I'm just gonna be real oh, with you. Safety. I think, Safety's a big I, name. I think you got two safeties. I think Malik Muhammad's a free safety. I think Derrick Williams is a, is a future, you know, playing at Anthony Cook role. I think you got two really, really good safety prospects. Where Texas is lacking in the class, I think, is that cornerback. Um Gavin Holmes, while he Played plenty of Wake Forest this past year. He's never been a you know all conference type of guy. He's not a star type of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, worst case, you hope that he can be experienced depth. But um, I think at cornerback, there are still you know it's, I'll give him an incomplete grade. Um, at, at edge, when we get we're gonna get into it in a second. But with the guys you got there, I'm really excited about the kid from Westlake, um, the Colton Vassett kid. And then we touched on it a second ago with with linebacker Anthony Hill. So I, I think you answered a lot of questions. Um, at positions of need with, with immediate impact guys. But at the same time, it's, it's not a perfect class. Yeah, and I, but here's the thing is, with, in terms of answering positions of need, I think Steve Sarkeesian, in the time he has been here, the two and what I call one quarter class that he, he has been here, he's done a fantastic job at addressing needs and honestly the positions that are most important in building a football team. That specifically being your your lines, your trenches, your wide receivers, your quarterbacks, and then supplementing it around. Honestly, he has done so much for injecting talent and just bodies into this program than any other coach before him. I put out these numbers on Twitter, I believe, a few weeks ago after Colton Vasek's commitment, but I think it stands and this is a tweet. This one's a tweet from CJ that their average height of the offensive lineman that they have brought in and they brought in 12 is six, five, three sixteen, which is a giant human being. That's a giant human being. Darius, how tall are you right now? I think you said six, four. No, I'm about six, two, six, two, three inches taller than Darius. Everybody, everybody knows Darius probably about a hundred, 120 pounds more than you. Um, would you say 316? 316? Shit. Right now? Everybody got about 40 on me, 50. <laughs> if I'm being real with you. Especially after Christmas dinner, you know? I am. Uh, I, lo- so, I love myself. You hear me? <laughs> so over the past year, I mean, let me kind of just go through these numbers. Steve Sarkeesian has out-recruited the past three coaching staffs, seven years before him, um, in wide receivers. Eight wide receivers over two and two five years. Uh, 2.25 years is 3.5 wide receivers a year. Before that, they had 22, which was about three wide receivers per year. So he's about a half receiver per year more. Under in tight ends, which you don't really need that many tight ends, honestly. Offensive lineman, though, is where he really shines. 
he's recruiting about one offensive lineman more per class than the entire seven years before him. He's getting at least another guy, another body in the offensive lineman room than every single class before him, which is giant. Same thing when it comes to your defensive tackles and your defensive ends. He recruited eight defensive tackles and eight defensive ends over the past two years. That's 3.5 players per year. The past seven years before him, 20 defensive linemen and 15 defensive ends. That's three defensive tackles per year and two defensive ends per year. The jump in number of players you have at that position is is astounding. The numbers of defensive linemen that you're going to have in those rooms is more than you've had in the past seven years. Same thing uh, for linebacker. You're over in linebacker. You are over in cornerbacks. Uh, you are under in safeties. You are under in running backs. But that doesn't matter. You had Bijan Roshan. The talent that he is bringing in here, and also just, a, a, you know, he brought in the number one overall player at quarterback. The talent that he has brought in, and the number of talents that he has brought in, the amount of talent is so much better than every single coaching staff before him over the past seven years. It was clear, you know, there's one thing when you hire Steve Sarkeesian, we knew or, or the, the reputation that comes with him is that he's a strong offensive mind, right? You knew that Texas probably wasn't going to have any issue getting a quarterback. You knew he would do that, right? Um, it also coincides with A&M um, doing what they did last cycle with the recruiting, and it ended up being a perfect storm for Texas. Well, if A&M's going to go crazy nationally, well, we're going to go crazy. It coincided with being a, a, a historic offensive line group in state, a crop of offensive line talent, and Texas cleaned it out. You see what I'm saying? So there was an emphasis at the O-line. There's been an emphasis on the defensive line in the trenches, taking bodies, not just bodies, but quality bodies, okay, um, in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And I mean, this is the University of Texas now. Sark's going to bring the quarterback. You're not going to – you have to be pretty inept at your job to be at the University of Texas not be able to bring in a quality running back, quality wide receiver. It's, it's you know, with all the stuff, resources, and as big as this state is, as much as everybody wants to come play at Texas – it ain't. It shouldn't be as hard as it has been over the past decade, you know. But no, Sark absolutely has had an emphasis since he's been here on on the trenches, and he's done a. They've done a great job of attacking it. The staff that he's put together since they've been here, absolutely, no question about it. For sure, yeah. So that's the big thing that I've seen over the past two years in terms of Steve Sarkeesian and Co's ability to recruit. It's not just that they have a great ability to recruit; it's who they are recruiting, the number that they are recruiting of them, specifically positions. No more offensive linemen coming in and being like, well, who do we have at offensive tackle? Who do we have at offensive line? You know, who do we have at defensive tackle this year, right? They're going to know. They're going to have bodies that position at least, at least. So let's go ahead and take a look directly at this last recruiting class. And let's start with the biggest commits because that's what everybody wants to know about, right? And you can't go into this list without going over, honestly, I think the most important commit in this class. He is football royalty. He is one of the best players in the nation. I know not every recruiting ranking site out there rated him number, you know, number one, but I would rate him number one. And, you know, it's, it's a big position of need for Texas coming over the next few years. It always is Ryan Sanborn, the, the transfer punter from Stanford. Darius, can you talk about just how important this guy is to this team? Uh, 
I thought Texas' <laughs> punter was was okay this past year. Uh, was it Trejo? Um, I think they can do better. So uh, I'm excited for Mr. Sam Moore to come on in here. And more than anything he does on the field, man, how about getting a freaking undergrad from Stanford and then getting my master's from Texas, right? That dude's going to be – hell, he's kicking for fun because guess what? He ain't going to have to do much, you know, <laughs> the next 50, 60 years. So hey, I'm happy for that dude. And, hey, kudos to him and Texas for making it happen, man. But, no, Sam Moore should be a big improvement in the, in the kicking game for sure. Mm-hmm. And then there's a guy named Arch Manning who uh... – is okay. What do you think about that guy? Uh, Arch Manning, man. I, I'm excited about Arch Manning. The best thing, what most excites me about Arch Manning and, and, and his family is that, you know, there's, you, you know, that they understand, right? Even though you can anticipate, you know, Ray Charles can see the amount of vitriol that's heading Quinn Ewer's way next season. Um, as soon as he does anything wrong, but I think oh, yeah. if there's any family, you know what I'm saying? Any kid, you know, in America that understands, you know, what he's stepping into next year is going to be Arch Manning. And I think there's a plan, man. I really do. So he's going to be here, um, be there next, in a few weeks. He's going to go through everything. And I think just his presence alone, just being there. And he's, I mean, from everything I gather, he's a cool kid. Now he ain't, you know, he's a good guy. Um, he doesn't have to say anything. He doesn't have to do anything. Just being there, I think is going to raise the level um, of, of Quinn Ewers and of Malik Murphy and of everybody around them. Just because, you know, hey, you know, this is it. So um, I think Manning knows that he's going to redshirt. The plan is to redshirt him next year. He's not going to be looking to go in or, you know, even though everybody's going to be clamoring for him and all of the hoop line craziness. I think it's a hell of a situation, man, and all his presence is going to do is make Texas program as a whole better because everybody in that quarterback room and on that offensive room, offensively, has to step their games up, man. So yeah. I'm excited about it. I don't think that gets talked about enough. We'll get into the Quinn, yours, vitriol, maybe later in the show. I don't know. We'll talk about it, maybe. But – um. Yeah, what I what I really do enjoy about Arch Manning is, as you said, the fact that his family knows that he's going to come in in red shirt. He knows what he's getting into. He he's allowing Texas to build him up. Right, he's not going to come in here. He's not like the Murrays who are. If I'm not starting immediately, I'm transferring. It's going to be a, a little bit more of a process. Hopefully, you know, we don't know what the next year brings. But that's the idea amongst him, right? That's what I like of him as an idea is that he is going to be one of those older school quarterbacks who's like, yeah, I'm cool with redshirting. I'm cool with staying. You know, I'll I'll start my redshirt sophomore year, redshirt you know, freshman year, and then play from there, play for two years, play for one year, and then go. Like mm-hmm. that's what he is cool with. He's cool with the Vince Young route. He's cool with the Colt McCoy route. That's you know, that's proven to be successful at Texas. And I appreciate that from the Manning family. Also bringing the Manning name to Texas. Really cool. Really cool. I, I you know, I'm currently getting my NBA right now at Texas. And all of my friends are like, we're going to have play, watch Arch Manning play next year. I'm like, well, hold up. Like, he's not going to play <laughs> next year. And I, I know that's what a lot of other students are probably about saying. Don't, right don't even waste your time trying to right. explain. Right. right, right. But I'm like, yeah, we're not, we're not, he's not playing next year. So they're, oh, okay. Well, you know, whatever. At least we have Arch Manning. At least we have Arch Manning, right? Everybody knows, everybody knows we have Arch Manning, the number one player in the nation. Screw you, ESPN. <laughs> next player, Anthony Hill. Now, I said that we didn't get a lot of fireworks over National Signing Day, right? Nobody was flipping or whatnot. We didn't get any big flips. But, I mean, Anthony Hill was about as close to National Signing Day as we could get with a commitment, right? 
it, I guess it wasn't that big of a deal because everybody knew it was coming after he decommitted from A&M. But, my lord, it is not everyday Texas. Well, I guess it has been two years in a row now that Texas had a crazy good linebacker come out of it. Beyond Harold Perkins, when was the last time that Texas had a linebacker the quality of Anthony Hill? Inside linebacker, specifically. The state of Texas? state of Texas. Shit, Drew Sanders? Drew Sanders? Even then, I mean, I think it's I think it goes back to maybe Baron Browning. Baron Browning was the last highest in terms of highest rated recruit. Ranking? If you're going by rankings, uh the Hill's the highest rated in state linebacker. Like you said, Harold Perkins and I think I think the next guy, yeah, is Baron Browning, Malik Jefferson. Well that was that's outside linebacker, wasn't he? Mm, I think it was just linebacker in general. They had him. I didn't think they specified. Okay. But, but no, it hadn't. You don't. You have a five star linebacker in the state of Texas maybe once every six, seven years. Yeah. It's not easy to get a great linebacker in this state. We've been very fortunate as a state the past two years, but it is that is very much an anomaly. The fact that Texas got Anthony Hill at this position, at a position of need at this time with Demarvin Overshone leaving. The ability with Jalen Jalen Ford potentially staying and coaching him up, and he's going to be an early enrollee. It's it's a perfect storm for Texas. The fact that A and M went five and seven this year, perfect storm for Texas. It was like what A and M had last year, where Texas went five and seven and they got everybody they wanted. It happened for Texas this year. Perfect storm to get Anthony Hill in this class. Darius, what type of player is Anthony Hill though? No, he's a he's an instant impact player. He's gonna walk in um this spring and start, you know, right next to Jalen Ford. It's not anything they have to, you know, pretend like it's a, you know, competition. You gotta earn this. Of course you don't have to earn everything, but the kid's a plug and play guy. Um I think he's a no brainer future, you know, top forty or so draft pick as long as he stays healthy. Um Texas hasn't had as much hype and excitement that Malik Jefferson got. Malik Jefferson doesn't have the same – while he may be faster in the straight line, he doesn't have the same type of instincts that this kid has. This kid is a – Texas hadn't had a linebacker um, that, in my opinion, that's going to be as productive as this young man. Uh, and I, I, I feel I feel like I probably shouldn't say it, but, I mean, you – this is – Anthony Hill has the ceiling to be the best linebacker at Texas since – since since Derek Johnson came through um, in the early two thousands, that's that's my personal opinion on it. Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, I, when I when I watched him on in his film, uh, Denton Ryan, he's not quite as like lanky and fast as a guy like Kenneth Murray, and he's not as I, big. I think he is. I think he is. I don't think I think Kenneth Murray was a. I, when I remember watching him at Oklahoma, the length and the the speed that he had laterally was crazy. Maybe, maybe he is. Maybe he is. I just didn't see the lengthy, as lanky as him. Kenneth Murray felt like a, like a safety that was actually had the size for linebacker, unlike Demarvin Overshone. Yeah, like unlike I think you told me this, Baron Browning, a lot bigger, and a lot bulkier, sort of like the transition to the current inside linebacker position which is a lot more dynamic. I feel like Anthony Hill probably lands a little closer to Kenneth Murray than he does Baron Browning, but he's sort of in that sort of gradient. Yeah, he's not a he's a 215-pound guy right now, if I had to guess. He's not chiseled as you, you know, physique-wise you would expect. Um but Anthony Hill is about 6'1. He has long arms. 
the thing about him is it's really interesting because, I mean, you could say the same thing about Derek Johnson. He's not really when you just see him on the hoof or in, you know, the T-shirt and shorts. He's not a physically imposing looking kid. OK, and I can say this. I mean, I, I go see these kids. I do this, you know, doing, being in the profession that I'm in. But Anthony Hill can bench press. You see what I'm saying? People don't know, despite him not being cut up, swole, whatever. Anthony Hill can bench press 315 pounds. You know what I'm saying? Three or four times. He can go squat 550 pounds, even though he doesn't look like it. It's just how some people, you know, we're all made differently. But that is a powerful, that is an explosive football player. And like I said, he's going to be a guy, especially with Pete, you know, PK, his history and putting guys in the league and how he did guys at Washington, getting him to come back here and then play behind Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins. Okay, that's part of the selling point, too. And then people talk about a how it was plug and play there behind those five stars. Texas is bringing back guys in those trenches on the defensive side mm-hmm. of the ball. This kid is going to – he's going to be protected. He's going to be kept clean. He's going to elevate this defense as a whole. He is the biggest get in this class. And I'll, I'll, Not Arch I'll continue to ex- – Not Arch Manning? Not for next season. Not for next okay. season. Arch Manning, Arch Manning, not that Texas needed any extra – Arch Manning, the name is going to bring attention and excitement. Arch Manning's presence is going to help the Texas program because everybody, again, we talked about it earlier. His presence alone is going to make everybody help everybody step their game up. Anthony Hill's already got that game. You see what I'm saying? And he's stepping right into a perfect situation. That kid, again, he stays healthy. I'm expecting a freshman All-American type season from him. I really am. Like a Kelvin Banks sort of situation? Absolutely, yes. On the at, at linebacker, yes. Yeah. And, and Just like going that. back to my point on Baron Browning versus Kenneth Murray, sort of in that position, all three of those guys, Baron Browning, 6'2", 230 out of high school, Kenneth Murray, 6'3", 225, Anthony Hill, 6'2", 225. So about in that area, in the same body, you know, when you take a look at the, the overall body, yeah, same body type-ish, plays a little bit more, Kenneth Murray than he does Baron Browning, but I feel that is a apt comparison. I mean, between those three guys, I'm with you. I don't, I don't disagree. My my personal my my personal comparison for him on on our website was uh was Ryan Shazier during his time at uh, Ohio State. Hmm. Okay. I, I'll take Ryan Shazier. I'll take that 100 percent every day. <laughs> so beyond Anthony Hill and. I mean, beyond Anthony Hill, beyond Arch Manning, I mean, those are two of the top players in the nation. You also get the top running back in the nation after losing Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson and Cedric Baxter. Cedric Baxter coming out of Florida, I mean, what another get. What a great get. You know, you thought that you might have fallen off a little bit at running back recruiting after losing Stan Drayton, but, you know, Rashard Choice comes in, helps out, and lands the number one running back. Darius, what do you see when you watch Cedric Baxter's tape? Uh, so real quick, just a little quick background on Cedric Baxter. Baxter was a guy that he's been a varsity guy um, since the end of his freshman year. But he actually started off on the defensive side, playing safety, playing a wide receiver. He didn't transition to running back full time until his junior season. And when you see when people see Baxter, I think people are going to be surprised how big he is. He's actually he's, he's bigger than Anthony Hill. Um, Cedric Baxter is a guy that's about six one and a half, close to six two. He's going to show up at Texas already two hundred fifteen, close to two hundred twenty pounds. And um, I see a long striding kid, a galloping guy. Um, he's got straight line speed. He's got power. He's physical. 
it was a it's a real interesting year, 2023, the running backs as a whole nationally. I don't, you know, usually you have, you know, a guy that's just clear cut, you know, an alien. I don't see an alien in this class. Um, I think you have four or five guys that are around the same area and I and he and he I mean the same tier and he belongs in that tier. But Cedric Baxter is that's one of those positions Sark mentioned that on signing day. He sees running back as a position that a true freshman can step right in and, and have an impact. So Baxter coming in next month as well. He's going to have every opportunity to compete for a starting job this spring um, when he gets there. And I see I see an instant impact guy. If I had to make a comparison for Cedric Baxter, give me a little bit of a. Come on, say Cedric Benson. No, give me, that. give me give me give me a little Arian Foster action. There oh, OK, with, OK, uh, with Cedric Baxter. OK, uh, I can see that. I. He's a guy. He's another one cut and go type of player for sure. I mean, that's kind of the running backs now in this day and age. Is that's sort of the the default, kind of like B. John Robinson in terms of that. But he he cannot make a guy miss in in a phone booth like B. John Robinson. And what he what he does do in a phone booth though is he runs you over. Like you said, much bigger guy. He'll he'll lo- he'll level his shoulder into you. I know B. John Robinson did that often, but he'll run he'll run his shoulder right through you. Does have some good balance. Uh, has, like you said, great straight line speed, but like Bijan Robinson doesn't have it for very long. The stamina isn't there, I guess, but he doesn't have like that third gear that he can get into and just beat out a defensive back. But what he does have is like, you know, again, the balance, the speed, the size that he can get through that defensive line. He can get through that line, that hole, hit it and go for a long, go for a long run. That's what I see in Cedric Baxter. No, he's he's a hell of a get, and um, the and we're going. You'll hear this mentioned a lot throughout. Texas has a crap ton of these guys coming in early, and I think what's going to happen, you're going to see at the Power Five level, that's going to start being the norm and the expectation. You know, coaches are going to, hey, if a kid's not coming in in spring, I don't know how serious you really are about playing as a freshman. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But no, no, Baxter's going to be here and be expecting to see uh probably wearing number four, expecting to see number four during the spring game. You'll see number four next fall plenty. Yeah. Oh my God. I just, again, I'm watching, I have his highlights on me right now. Just saw this kid absolutely just punch this kid in the face with a stiff arm. Oof. Oof. What a hell of a stiff arm that guy has. But uh, again, like I said, doesn't have that top end speed where he's going to beat out that defensive back, but I'm, you know, he doesn't have 70 yard touchdown speed. I don't don't think he has 70 yard. I don't think he has that. Maybe, maybe if he runs through the defensive back and puts him on his ass, but I think it's more like 50 to 40. Yards, I think you can do. I think we sleep on that top end. We're going to see, though. Anyway, I'm we'll glad see. he's playing for Texas. Yeah, that's, that's the truth. That's the truth. Texas got the number one running back in the class. Next guy, one of the top safeties in the class in Derek Williams out of, out of Louisiana. I always want to say Los Angeles because I always see that L.A. Louisiana. Uh, <laughs> it's not every day you walk into Louisiana and get the top two players in the state. But Texas went ahead and did that. They went ahead, even though LSU had a good year, they have a good coach coming in, went ahead, got Aaron, you know, got Arch Manning, and then number two, Derek Williams. What are your thoughts on Derek Williams? I know you, you said earlier he's more along the lines of a Anthony Cook. He played mostly on offense this year uh, instead of defense. So we didn't, I didn't get to see a lot of tape of him on the defensive side of the ball. But he does bring you that athleticism that you want to see from your from your safety position. He played that in his his junior year. Hell of a player, hell of a get for Texas. 
Yeah, no, nah, Derek Williams, when, at the time when he made, when his commitment was made, most people wrote it off. Uh, I think I, I'm probably part of that group that kind of, that kid's not going to, you know, hey, that's nice. It looks good early. You know what I'm saying? But right. that kid, that's going to be a kid that's not going to end up sticking, you know, later on. And you, you heard, you know, he said he wanted to take visits, things like that. But a lot of those visits he talked about never ended up coming, you know, true. And you heard about the kid wanting to possibly take it to, to February and Texas was able to come in and close the deal, depending on who you talk to. Some people believe he's a five-star kid. Some people believe he's closer to, you know, a national top 200 type of kid. Um, I see a box safety. I see a kid that's going to play the role that Anthony Cook played. Um, I think he'll compete with a guy like BJ Allen. Um, but Derek Williams is a great get. What his upside is, he's going to get every opportunity to play being an out of state kid and being highly ranked. Um, at the same time, I don't know if I see, and he's a guy that's going to come down and bring that wood, right? He actually reminds me, this is going to be Texas fans. If you, this, this for my OGs here and this guy wasn't on campus very long. But Derek Williams reminds me a lot of a guy named Robert Joseph. I don't know if people remember Robert Joseph. Out Robert, of, um, Robert Joseph? Out of, uh, I don't believe. I don't, came, what year was that? He came out of Port Arthur Memorial. He was in the early 2000s, man. Part of those really, really talented. He was before Earl Thomas. If Robert Joseph doesn't get in trouble, Earl Thomas doesn't have the ascension that he has during his time in Texas. Okay. Uh, but Derek Williams would knock your face off. Tall kid, probably about six foot and a half, six one long. Um, Says six but, two here, but yeah. You Obviously, it's lying. I get it. It's but, recruiting. Um, but but no, I, I'm, I like Derrick Williams a lot. I think he's a really good football player. And, you know, Texas needs, again, Texas needs a, a, a injection of young talent in that secondary. And, again, he's going to have every opportunity to make an impact. I don't know if he's an early enrollee guy being a Louisiana guy. Mm-hmm. But um, either way, when he gets on campus, he's going to have an opportunity to, to carve out a role for himself pretty early. Yeah, and one of the reasons I think he's one of the more important positions and one of the more important gets for this Longhorn team is the safety position. After Jaron Thompson – and especially after Anthony Cook leaves, you're kind of scratching your head there, aren't you? You don't know where you're going to go there. Derek Williams has a chance to start to step in, and if he's good enough, play right away. So, I, you know, I'm I'm interested to see who steps up into that position and whether or not Derek Williams has you know able to, is able to play himself into that. Other than Keaton Crawford next year, you don't really have much there. So. You know, we'll see. We'll see how Derek Williams ends up. Uh, you know, I, I think he's a pretty good player, another high end prospect for the Longhorns. But on the opposite end of the field, you have Jonte Cook from DeSoto. And my lord, that kid can move. That kid can go. He is one of the top wide receivers in the nation for a reason. I think it's fair to say that he's borderline five star, four star, right? I don't think he is one of the best wide receivers to ever play. I don't think he's one of the best player. I don't think he's best one of the best wide receivers. He is one of the best wide receivers out there, but I don't think he's the best. I don't think he's the best in the country. But I am happy for him to prove me wrong. Happy for him to prove me wrong. Regardless, he is a special talent, and he is one of the best wide receivers. He is the best wide receiver in the state of Texas. I am happy he's a Longhorn. Darius, you, I remember you telling me about Jontae Cook. What was that? Two, three years ago, back when he was a sophomore, you were you were at Desoto still. Yeah, so I actually I actually coached that dude back through middle school, sixth grade, seventh right. grade, eighth grade. Um, I do believe he's a five star type of talent. Um, he's got a lot of growing up to do. He actually he's he's a lot. He's just like Evan Stewart from the previous class. Um, when you get that type of ability on the same field with a uh, Xavier Worthy, with a uh, Jatavian Sanders, 
Jontae Cook's going to have an opportunity next year if he can, you know, keep everything together. And Texas is going to do whatever they can to get him the ball. Um, he's a highly rated kid, but he's got a chance next year. I talk about Anthony Cook, Anthony Cook, Anthony Hill being a freshman All American. Jontae Cook is a kid. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. I wouldn't be surprised as a freshman next year. I don't know how many catches he's going to have, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him average 16, 17, 18 yards a catch. I'm not, I'm not joking. Okay. He is a, he can, he's a Corvette on the football field. Okay. He does not have to slow down at any point to make any type of cut. Okay. Got big hands. He's not tall. Jontae's probably, he'll probably measure at about 5'11 and a half, 5'11, but he's got a long wingspan. He's talking 6'2, six, 6'3. Six, he's got a, a big catch radius to be a, you know, not a huge guy. But you don't no, need to be a big guy at wide receiver these days. No, he's, he's what you, so, Coaches fall in love with speed, right? That's the easiest thing to notice and recognize on tape. So what Jonte does is you can drop him into any type of system. Okay. And you know what's going to, he's going to be good at. He provides that to any offense. So to get that type of deep threat again on the same team to play for a year with Worthy because Worthy be gone after next year. Um, he's going to have opportunity to be, like I said, I would not be surprised to see that kid averaging 17, 18, 19 yards a catch as a true freshman and scoring seven to eight touchdowns just because of how explosive he is. And because of how many, you know, the other weapons that Texas is going to have on the field next year, I expect him to be an instant impact guy. He's, he's, well, he's a, he's a five star talent kid. No question about that. Mm-hmm. On that same note, the best receiver in the state of Texas is a junior. He's at Lake Belton. His name is Micah Hudson. We'll talk oh, about him. That's in the true. Future. That's true. When I said best wide receiver in Texas, I meant in the senior class. You're right. Micah Hudson is a special player. Maybe I'm still going to go with Jalen Hale on that, but it's, it's close. You're splitting hairs. You're splitting yeah. hairs. I, you know, Micah Hudson, we shouldn't go into this, but Micah Hudson might be the best wide receiver to come out of Central Central Texas since since Garrett Wilson. Sure, they're alike. They're a lot alike. Yeah. So, uh, last of the biggest commits in my eyes, Malik Muhammad. He played at South Oak Cliff. He's from Desoto. Another one, another one of my Desoto kids. I had on the same team with John mm-hmm. Good. So, I got a got a question for you, since I know you you coach both those kids. Mm-hmm. Um, funny funny stories for about them during their times growing up. Especially Jontae Cook. Uh, like I said, Jontae has always been a little bit of a knucklehead. You know, got to <laughs> put your foot in his butt. And, you know, that works as long as you're there and around. Um, Malik uh, always had a lot of leadership, you know, qualities to him. Malik is, um, people don't know about the Muhammads. And he goes by Manny. I stop saying Manny Muhammad. Um, there are a trillion Muhammads, okay? And there have been, there are a dozen of them that have come through in the past decade that have played, all played defensive back. They've all played Division One football. We just helped out uh, his cousin, um, no, that Oklahoma State Jabbar Muhammad, who's at going to Washington now, as a matter of fact. But um, Manny Muhammad, Jonte Cook, a lot of people don't know Muhammad Cook, Ronald Holland, that's going to Texas, the basketball player, mm-hmm. um, Cameron Barnes. I had all of these kids at the same school on the same program at Soto uh, at, at the middle school feeder in Soto, and and I, I can say this about that group of kids. Um, that is one of the hardest working. Okay. Forget all the talent, all that. I don't, I don't really subscribe to that stuff. Been here long enough, seen talent, right? Okay. That's the hardest working group of kids that I've been around. And, you know, to see it coming to fruition now, like I said, if they can maintain, you know, like Muhammad, if they can do what I know they've, you know, what's in them, those guys are going to just continue that success at Texas. But at the same time, uh, we've seen kids go to Texas, man, and Austin, Austin can be the University of Texas' own, you know, football program's own worst enemy, you know, athletics-wise. 
So it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm definitely going to be watching. I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not going to be riding any coattails, you know, begging for tickets or anything like that. I'm good on all that, man, but I'll, I'll be watching it. I got you like with I tickets. Have I got you with tickets. Okay. Bet. I got me on the tickets, but, um, no serious group of kids about competition, about getting better. And all are going to do, we mentioned the, the factor, the presence of Arch Manning. You're bringing in some, 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 I hate the word alpha. I can't stand that crap. But you're bringing in some competitive football is important to these guys. And Texas has been missing that. They've mm-hmm. been missing that, man. So you're just about to have a different mentality on that campus. And again, I just, I'm, I'm really excited for what the future holds because if there's, if there's a group of kids that I know can do it, I can speak on, on them too. <laughs> I feel like this class is going to be a little different for you. Like the, like this past class that just graduated with Roshan Johnson, B. John Robinson, uh, mm-hmm. was for me. DeMarvin Overshawn was re- was different for me because that was one of the closest classes I ever followed. But you follow this class a lot closer than I have any class. That's so this crazy. is probably going to be a little different different for you. But uh, Malik Muhammad, uh, let's get back to him. Um, mm-hmm. What exactly does he bring to the football field? You said you probably think he's going to be a free safety. You know yeah, him so better than people, I do. Y'all got to hear me, and I'm not – yeah, I'm at – I was the you no know, Waxahachie, DeSoto, whatever. Okay, I'm in the kid business. I care about these kids. So when I say something that's not meant as a knock on any of these kids, I'm, this is what I believe that I have learned about them in my time evaluating, coaching, whatever. Um, Malik Manny Muhammad is rated really highly as a cornerback. Okay, I believe he can play cornerback. He's a true five eleven and a half on a pro scale. True, just like John Tate, six two wingspan, six three, long kid. Okay. Super high football IQ. He'll be a captain one day. He understands what's going on, where everybody's supposed to be, what they're trying to do in what situations. He understands football. Okay. I don't believe that Manny Muhammad has the top end speed to get himself out of trouble at the major high football level. Okay. Playing at South Oak Cliff, let's be real about it. They don't play in a very weak district. Okay. When they get to the playoffs, it's small school 5A. You're going to see maybe two teams. Okay. With the type of ability you know to matches your own okay when they played um the duncanvilles or the sotos the uh i can't remember the other school but soccer left manny on the island and he he can hold his own there's no question about it i just worry about him at the college level and no hopefully at the nfl level i think his best fit is going to be at free safety because he is so intelligent okay he has such good instincts um, he has such good ball skills. He's actually a lot, in my opinion, he's, he's a lot like Caden Stearns, you know, maybe an inch shorter. Um, but he's a lot like Caden Stearns in my mind. And he's going to be a guy that upgrades again, that whole secondary, just, just based on the intelligence level that he brings to it. And, um, he's a kid that's going to graduate early. I would be really surprised to, to not see Muhammad out there getting some, getting some run next fall. But I, I do not believe his long-term fit is at cornerback. I, I'm, that's just my honest opinion on that. Well, it's much like Dwayne Aquina kind of recruited cornerbacks and moved them to safety because he believed that you need the ability to cover man and have good man coverage skills to play safety. And Malik Muhammad has that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll be, he is, he is, he'll be right at home. Okay. Covering those tight ends, right? Mm-hmm. Covering backs out of the backfield. I don't know. The man, he's not a nickel now. He's not a nickel. You don't want him on, you know, the Jojo Earls, guys like that, the little water bugs, jitterbugs. But those guys are hard for anybody mm-hmm. to deal with, right? Right. But no, at the at the back end, he's the last line of defense. 
I think he's going to be a multi-year starter at Texas, but yeah, and, not at corner. And what I liked about safety when I played was versus cornerback is the ability to survey the field and be able to read and react from that instead of having to really play one guy and read and react from that one guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Or, you know, a few guys, whatever, half the field, you have the entire mm-hmm. field, you're reading and reacting. You're sort of like the linebacker position, but playing as a defensive back, uh, you got more time to read and react. So given a guy with a good experience, good instincts, understands high football IQ, you really want a guy. That's why you put a lot of those guys at safety, the ability to understand and read that football field. He's a natural at it. Now, mm-hmm. corner, people are going to push corner. You're going to try to do corner because that's the quote-unquote big money position. Right? And that's what you need at Texas right now. Well, that's for everybody, but I just I don't know if you're gonna have the the desired time mm-hmm. speed there. That's okay. the only thing. That's well, the only. I knock. mean, you know, I don't think you know if you if you go if he goes cornerback and succeeds there, that's great. If he goes to safety and succeeds there, that's great. As long as, as, long as he succeeds, that'd be really absolutely. Happy. Yep. Uh, so Texas let's go back. Happy. So now that we've gone through, I mean, and those are like the top, the top. I think I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. I always am. But let's go ahead and go now to the other positions and kind of go to the other guys and go position need based player by player. Let's do it. And defensive end. We said that defensive end was probably the most important position Texas had to fill this next year for 2023. I mean, it is just, I mean, beyond Baron Sorrell and Ovia Gufo is going to be leaving. You didn't get a lot of guys last year. Uh, Justin Finkley, Justice Finkley is going to be coming in. He's going to be good. But you still want some guys behind that. You always want a guy who is just McDonald uh, from uh, Iowa State or uh, Trace Ford from Oklahoma State who can just rush the passer and get you nine sacks a year. Mm-hmm. Defensive end, how do you feel they did? And then let's go into Colton Vasek. No, I think that uh, I, I'm a I'm a Colton Vasek guy, right? So I, when you watch the two ends at Westlake, not this obviously this past season, but the year before with him and Burke. Mm-hmm. It was something to see, man. You had the you had the Bash brothers out there on both oh, sides, yeah. looking like the was it the Mighty Ducks with the with the back? You know what I'm talking about? But uh, anyways, no, with, yeah, man, I mean they they feel it feels like we're Bash watching Bros. hockey players play <laughs> football with as long as they have they need mullets like like Quinn Ewers, I I could definitely see it. No, but I see Vasek. First off, Vasek's a kid. That's a true mm-hmm. six foot five. Um, right now, if I had to guess, he's probably in the two twenty two thirty range. He's going as a grown man, he's going to be walking around 265. Like it's going mm-hmm. it's going to be really nice with his frame filling out. He's got he's got what you what you as a pro guy, you he's got that pro body. He's going to have a pro body. Um I think Vass, especially with him being a guy that's coming in early and being a local guy, I think it's going to be really hard, you know, for him not to see time on the field in the fall next season. I don't think that's out of any favoritism or anything like that though. I I believe that he's the best defensive end in state in this year's class. And um, he should have never been committed to Oklahoma. That shouldn't, uh, you know, that's it was harder than it should have been. But ultimately, he ended up on the right side. I expect Vasek to be a. Am I saying that right, Vasek or Vasek? Uh, we'll find Vasek. out I, I sooner, soon enough. But I'm expecting him to be a multi-year starter at Texas. He's a legacy guy. Dad played there. He's a hell of a get, hell of a get. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he's going to be a three-year starter, two, mm-hmm. three-year starter at Texas. Yeah. Um. I I agree. I mean, when you watch those guys in person, again, Ethan Burke, Colton Vasek. I don't think you said it better. Like those two players playing at Austin, that's that's a good combo. You know, you it, it's sort of like two players on a basketball team with the chemistry already yeah. there. So they already know what each other is doing. They know who's going high, who's going low, how to wrap the pocket. 
and and where to go, uh, how to get to the quarterback. I mean, and the skill sets. Burke is more of a strong side guy. Vasek is more of the weak side guy. Like it's just it it's, it, it works out perfectly mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> on paper. Yeah, and then Texas stole another defensive end from Oklahoma in Tausiliakana. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of Hawaii, or is it Utah? I can never figure it out. He's from, they're from Hawaii, but what happens is what you're getting now, a lot of those guys on the islands for, be- for source of better competition and avoid the craziness in California, they're going to Utah. Mm-hmm. And they're playing, so it's a pretty good U- ball, high school ball getting played instead of Utah right now. But um, with Akana, I originally thought that, you know, going back to the summer, I'm like, it makes plenty of sense for him to be in the class. His sister just transferred in from Nebraska. And was the winning year. point on the national championship volleyball team. Right. And, but what I got initially, and this is just a little background. So, hey, um, hey, here we are bringing it to you exclusive, exclusive. Um, what I got originally was that he wanted to kind of do his own thing. He didn't want to be under his sister. You know, you know how that goes sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Tom goes, you know, he goes, visits the other schools. And I think where he originally wanted to go, well, they were full at the time. So you have to sit back. Okay. Let me reevaluate things. Well, long story short, Texas is doing what they're doing. And then they realize, well, hey, Akana's changed his mind. He wants to come. Now we have to make room for him. Well, you notice Dylan Spencer had been committed for a very long time. And then all of a sudden he pops up the last couple of weeks taking visits to Texas Tech in, in Houston. Um, He was asked to, you know, hey, nudged, you know, hey, you know, maybe it would be better for you to go do something else. And that was to create room for Akana. Mm-hmm. What Akana brings to Texas, he is a right now he's probably about two hundred fifteen pounds, two twenty. I don't believe he's six four. I think he's probably closer to six two and a half, six three. And I'll be watching him closely during the bowl, the uh, All Star Game circuit in the next couple of weeks. Um, he's a pass rusher. Um, I don't. It's important to find out what his true size is, right, Will? Because that's gonna kind of dictate whether he's Prince Dorba or is he a guy that can stick at defensive end and actually add the weight that he needs to be added while keeping his athleticism. But um, he's a highly rated guy. That means more to you all than it does to me. Um, but I think the more, you know, talented pass rushing bodies, the better. I'll, I'll be watching the kind of really, really closely over the next few weeks to see how big he truly is and what he looks like going against uh, against similar type talent. Mm-hmm. Another guy who I'm interested to see how big he is and, and where he fits, Darian Gullett. Uh, you know, Darius, what do you think of Darian? I know he was he was hurt this past year, did not play. We'll see what he how he is as soon as he gets onto the field, but he was good his junior year. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm. I like Gillette a lot. Um, people are gonna be mad at me for my my opinion on this one because I believe that when I watched him, he's a young man that's very raw. I believe Texas took him as a linebacker. They want him to play linebacker. Um, I didn't see the natural instincts on tape. He's a kid that relies a lot on his explosiveness and his athleticism, his athletic ability. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're coming off of an ACL, well, you're going to have a whole year now where he's not. He's going to be adjusting to getting, you know, getting back to normal. Right. So I think he's likely a red shirt candidate and he's a guy that I'll check back in on later. Um, I know he's highly rated and everything, but when I watched his tape, I saw a little bit more of a project than I think some people saw. Um, I know he's a big time athlete. I, I've seen, the, you know, the dunks on social media last year and things like that. At the same time. Like Will mentioned at the beginning, I don't know how big he is. So I, I'm, I'm interested to get, you know, verified information on him. I'm not expecting much from Gillette as a true freshman or really as a as a redshirt freshman. But I think if he sticks around, holds on later on, he could be a guy that's a guy. But right, right. now, I'm not expecting a whole lot. That's my that's my opinion. Right. And also, I want to make it clear when we talk about watching tape, we're talking about like 
watching actual tape, not just highlights. We go to NFH, no, nfhsnetwork.com yeah. is a great way to get that. Texan Live, YouTube. Um, yeah. Highlight, highlights will get you in trouble. They get mm-hmm. you fired yeah. <laughs> real quick. Yeah. Next, next guy, Billy Walton, uh, another DeSoto kid. Uh, <laughs> Darius, tell me about Billy. Uh, I did not have Billy in middle school, but I did coach Billy when he was a freshman. He actually went through the freshman year with us at DeSoto. And as soon as the season was over, Billy disappeared. We're like, where the hell is Billy? Uh, <laughs> Billy, come to find out, is a cousin of the Mohammeds, and he transferred to soccer right after the season. Uh, but anyways, Billy actually played defensive tackle for us as a freshman. Um, Billy Walton. So we talk about, so we talk about, about pretty bodies and jacked up bodies, right? Anthony Hill. Okay. Billy Walton is a pretty, He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a beautiful, you know, built, beautifully built athlete. Okay. So you look, you look at him, you look at him and you go athlete. Okay. Yes. Um, Billy started off trying to play linebacker. Okay. And Billy, like Galette, I, I just, Billy did not have the instincts to play linebacker. But what Willie did, but what Billy did have, did have or does have is a really good first step. Okay. Billy's fast. He plays hard. Okay. Billy Walton's a kid. I haven't seen Billy. It's been a few years. If I had to guess right now, though, Billy, just looking at him when they play, Billy's probably about 6'2", a true 6'2". Um, maybe, you know, a little bit more than that. But you're talking a 6'5", 6'6", wingspan. Billy Walton's not going to be a guy that weighs 260, 270 pounds. He's going to top out around 240. Okay, but that's an explosive, long 240. That's the guy that can bend the edge. And you talk about a pass rushing skill set. Billy's got that. At the same time, you're going to have to wait on Billy. Okay, Billy, Billy's got one speed. That's go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Billy's not reading anything. Billy, Billy's going to need to learn the nuance of playing football. But from a pass rushing, from an athleticism, uh, standpoint, he's got it. He's your now, third down only, guy. My only caution with that though, Will, is, you know, what, what the hell just happened with Derrick Harris Jr., right? What happened with Prince Dorber? What happened? You see, so I just, I see plenty, these, these type of situations, especially at places like Texas, don't work out more times than they they probably should work out. And I think Billy, just my opinion, Billy Walton's type of kid will look up two years from now, three years from now, four years from now, like Byron Hobbs that went to somewhere else. And now you're like, damn, why he didn't, we should have held on. Why didn't he make that happen? It's just about scheme fit. And I just wonder if Billy's ever going to really get that opportunity. We just talked about the Bash Brothers. <laughs> yeah, We talked about all these folks they're bringing in. So he's not going to have a lot of time. There's a lot I mean, of competition with, in that room. Yeah, and with the with the instant gratification, the portal today, I just it's going to be yeah. tough. But the skill set is there. Yeah, I, I mean, and one of the things about guys like Billy is you see them and you're like, we can't pass up on a guy like this, right? You can't you can't not offer him. You can't not have him in the class. I guess you could with a guy like Dylan Spencer, but I mean, a lot of times you're looking at that like DJ Har- like you know Harris and Prince Dorba, and you're like. What are we not seeing in this kid that other people are? So we'll take him in, and then it's, 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 it's a lot. Or you're like, this is a, a project. We, we'll we'll wait on him, and then you're like five years, you're two years down the road, and you're like, well, shit, we have our jobs on the line. Let's get another guy. Kind of like the kid that AM took from Lake Mansfield Lake Ridge in this class. I don't know if you're familiar with Rylan Kennedy. Okay, he blew up late first year playing football. I don't think Anim's ever going to have time to wait on that kid for him to become what he can become. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? They took him because you need a body. You need to, he's going to end up somewhere else, and that's where he'll figure it out. I, I'm afraid that that possibly the odds are high that that's what happens to Billy Walton. But we'll right. see. So next position, corner. We already kind of went over Gavin Holmes, guy from Wake Forest. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, he's more of a boundary corner. He's more of a boundary corner. You're the guy who you want opposite of Ryan Watts. Uh, but wasn't anything too special at Wake Forest. Wasn't the all-conference player. Wasn't even, you know, second, third team honorable mention. Just kind of a decent player, hopefully. We'll see. I think that Gavin Holmes can give you some snaps in the slot. He's possibly your replacement for Jade Barron after this year. I think he can give you some snaps there. Um, also, again, Holmes is worst case. Holmes is a he's experienced depth. He's got two years to play. We're talking about him like he's not that good. I don't mean to come off that way. Um, he's a kid that ran a four three in high school. That's kind of how he got his recruitment jump started. Being from a uh, from Metairie, Louisiana, same school as uh Jamar Chase, but um quicker guy, you know, short area type of guy. But I don't. We're not expecting uh, him to come in and lock down, you know, the left side of the field. But he's a he's a he's a nice addition. Kind of like um, he'll be better than Darion Dunn was. No disrespect. I really like Darion Dunn. So maybe he's going to be really good. I really like, like that guy. I like I like Darion Dunn. I thought he was a little bit of a disappointment. I liked him. I think he was really good. He was he was he was feisty. He was feisty, that's for sure. Uh linebacker. One of the bigger needs in this class, especially inside linebacker. Uh beyond Anthony Hill, you had two really good players also jump in. Uh we'll start with Samaje Burrell who who honestly had a really good year this past year. Yeah, no, Burrell blew up last spring. So last spring, um, so again, linebackers aren't a plenty in Texas, despite, um, I can, I can verify, um, Burrell had a committable Ohio State offer and Ohio State was recruiting him. So when he committed, he shut everything down and committed to Texas, you know, relatively early. That caught, that caught a lot of people off guard and he stuck with it. Um, he had people in his corner, um, suggesting with Texas with everything happening with Anthony Hill that it might be in his best interest to, you know, to, to go do his own thing. Um the kid's heart is at Texas with Texas. I think that Burrell has the ability, um, based on whatever happens with Jalen Ford after this year, he could be he could step in next to Hill um, um yep. in twenty twenty four. Um but not a huge kid. He's about six one, uh probably about two twenty right now. Barrel chested kid. You see he's gonna be able to hold two thirty five, two forty, no that's, problem. That's what I always see is that he's he's looks he looks more like your typical, like your old school linebacker, yeah. like a Ray Lewis yeah. type player or just oh. he's coming out there, he's walking off the bus and you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> what am I walking into? Yeah, hey, big big neck, big chest. Uh he brings the pain when he gets there. Um, it's just gonna be a matter of, you know, is he gonna be okay with, you know, being an impact guy on special teams earlier in his career before he gets that chance. But um, Texas got the two, got for my money, who were the two top uh, in-state linebacker prospects. That was that was Hill and that was Burrell. So I, you couldn't do any better if you're Jeff Choate or uh, Pete Kwiatkowski there with those two guys. But I'm excited about Burrell. Hopefully, he's patient enough to get his get his turn on the field to do what he does. Right. Then you got Leona Lefau, uh out of Hawaii, another linebacker uh, out of Hawaii. What are your thoughts on Leona? Another, it was another big name when, when Texas got him originally. Yeah, so technically, uh, so Tasilia Connor is going to go down as being a kid from Utah. So Lee Fowl will be the first uh, signee from the state of Hawaii in, in Texas history. Wait, really? Yeah. No. Um, yeah. Um, so Leona actually means lion in Samoan, and he's a he's a kid really? that, that that takes that to heart. He takes it to heart. He's got the tattoo, all that good stuff. I mean, you watch his video. One, one thing that stood out to me, I, I love, I, I say video. I haven't seen a full game of Leaf Out. Hopefully he's in one of these all-star games. I'll have to check later. Um, 
I would like to see how big he is. I wouldn't be surprised to look up and find out he's about 5'11", about 190. But he moves so well, so well on tape. Mm-hmm. Okay, he, he's out there flying around in Hawaii. He's the best athlete on the field. Um, he's playing offense. He's playing defense. I see instincts on tape. I really, really like this kid on video, man. I just – I don't know how big he really is. And with the class Texas is bringing in with Hill, with Burrell, you know, it might be a little bit of a while before you see him. I wouldn't be shocked. Will Leaf out, Leaf out might end up being a, a safety type of a guy. I just, I think he's really versatile. I think he's a guy that's going to give you instant, instant, um, value on special teams, kickoff, kickoff return, punt, like a program type guy. And I think when he gets his chance, if he gets his chance, he'll be a kid that ends up surprising a lot of people. But I love to take, I love the kid on video. I see exactly what they, what I believe that they saw. And I'm excited about him. I am. Yeah, uh, I get it. Uh, I'm I'm still still kind of shocked that he's the first guy from Hawaii ever. That's that's a lot. That's a lot of players <laughs> out there that just. I will be wow. interested in hearing the backstory on where they got his name from or who had the connection there. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, they Texas has been trying to get into the Samoan pipeline. Hey, and who's recruiting? Give me Hawaii. I'll go recruit every year in Hawaii. We can do that. <laughs> hey, a deal. Sign me up, Coach. I'll, I'll do it for $10,000 a year. Oh, God, just, it's going to cost I'll, you. Oh, Got to get on this flight to Hawaii. Oh, man. <laughs> Killing me. So let's go ahead and get get through the linebacker, kind of go one. Let's go back into the trenches here. Defensive line, defensive tackle. You're losing Keandre Coburn. You're losing Mora Ojimo. The, the next year, after next year, you're losing Tavondre Sweat. Uh Collins, Collins, and there's Broughton. one. What and and Vern Broughton. So you need some guys. You need to inject a lot, a few more guys into the defensive line because you're starting to age out a lot of guys. Here in comes Sidir Mart, Sidir Mitchell. I mean, if he doesn't raise the average of the defensive line room size by like two inches and twenty pounds, I will be surprised. No, he's a he's a legitimate. Six five. If I had to guess, he's probably gonna show up on camp. I don't know if he's early enrollee. So if he if he shows up in in a couple of weeks, he'll probably be about three fifty. If he doesn't show up till next summer, he'll probably be about three seventy. But um, nose tackle all day, every day. Got some athleticism to him. Everybody's gonna compare every big guy to Jordan Davis. Okay, he's not Jordan Davis. There's God made one of those. Okay, but I can say that Georgia was recruiting Sider Mitchell all he the way. Who will be an early enrollee? Okay, so he will be, but they were, they never stopped recruiting that kid. They wanted him badly. Okay, so if Georgia wants a defensive lineman right now, especially an interior defensive lineman, and that kid wants to come to Texas, we should be, uh, we should be thanking our lucky stars and celebrating. Um, I think that Mitchell, I wasn't overly impressed watching, you know, a couple of his games. At the same time, I see that body. I see that, you know, those gifts. He's 17 years old, man. These kids, you know, you never know, but when he gets into a real program, you get Bo Davis. Cussing at him every day, man. He might whip him into something, man. But he's a nose tackle. You can't teach 6'5", 370, 380, nope. man. You can't teach that. So, nope. hey, I'm glad he's on our side, and hopefully he ends up handing out. And just, just to kind of knock this out, the early enrollees, yeah, I think they have 12. Arch Manning, Cedric Baxter, Jordan, Jonte Cook, three good ones right there. Sidier Mitchell, Colton Vasek, Darian Golette, uh, Leona Lef- Lefau, and then you're going to have Jaden Chapman, Connor Stroh, Andrew Coho, and Peyton Kirkland. 
Muhammad should be on there. I, got, I, th- I think Muhammad. when we get to the end of this, I think you're going to end up seeing like close to 15, 16 of those kids mm-hmm. <laughs> end up enrolling. That's, it's, oh, it's yeah. Insane. Malik Muhammad. I, miss, I did miss Malik Muhammad. You're right. And it's, that's Anthony Hill? No. Like I'm saying, it's, they got a lot. 13. So at least 13 <laughs> guys right there. Let's get into the next important position. So after Cider Mitchell, who, again, like when I watched film on him, he's just towering over kids. And it, like okay, I know we should get. I'm set on getting into the next position, and we're already over an hour. But when I watched when I watched film on him, he's not just a big guy, and I don't know if he said this, but he's a he's athletic as well. I mean, one of his big plays this year was strip sacking a quarterback and then taking it back for a touchdown, like a big boy touchdown, right? Thick six, mm-hmm. and the thickest <laughs> of sixes. Uh, so, I mean, that guy not only just has the size, but he has the speed. He has the strength. So it is New Jersey football. It's not Texas. I mean, New, Jer- New Jersey football is not bad. Um, we'll see when he comes to Texas, like you said, as an early enrollee. But I hopefully, hopefully he gets whipped into shape and it's a guy who could play right away. Uh, wide receiver, though. Next biggest position. We already talked about John Tay Cook, an early enrollee. Uh, this is the guy that kind of gave you pause when he committed earlier this year and Ryan Niblett. And it wasn't because you don't think he's a bad player, but Texas has had guys like Ryan Nivlet in the past, sort of a short speedster slot receiver, hundred percent all the way, but hasn't really done much with guys like that. Right. In the past. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a be real. Um, so we played spring Westfield um, in the third round this year. So I got to see, um, they're in a district that 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 um that uh Niblet is in at Aldine Eisenhower. I got to watch a couple of his games, and I was on alert last year when I saw Niblet was rated really highly. But when I went to his statistics, it wasn't a, a lot there. Um, he, in my opinion, he's a he's a little bit of a one trick guy. Um, he's not big. Now I saw I've seen Niblet listed at five ten one seventy five. Yeah, I can I can tell you right now he's not five ten. And he's not anywhere near 175 pounds. Okay. But what he does have to his name, I believe is a verified 10, 400 meter yard dash, uh, last spring. Um, I know the instant thought is going to be, you know, he's blaze Brennan Thompson. You know, he's his blazer. I think Brennan Thompson is a better football player, but, and you even saw that Thompson, Brennan had a hard time this year, even though Texas, you know, didn't have the most depth at wide receiver. He had a hard time, you know, really, you know, carving out a role and getting it together as a true freshman. It's difficult. People don't understand. It's tough. Coming as a wide receiver, you have to know these different things, different uh, coverages, stuff like that. But um, Nibbler is highly rated. You know that he's got the track time. My personal opinion, I'm not nearly as high on the young man as as the recruiting services are, and hopefully he proves me wrong. And like like Will said, Texas has had plenty of guys with this profile in the past and haven't done much with them. Um, it's going to take some convincing for me to believe that he's going to pan out. But at the same time, you never know. So we'll see. You'll bet on speed all day, every day. Um, and he's got plenty of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing Steve Sarkisian came in immediately. It was like, we need speed. We need speed on this team. Ryan Niblett was one of the first guys he went after. But when you are a guy the size of Ryan Niblett at playing wide receiver, like wide receiver, you don't need to be a huge guy anymore, right? You have, you know, Garrett Wilson out there. Uh, mm-hmm. And you have... Uh, Jalen Waddle out there, but the thing mm-hmm. about Jalen Waddle, when I watched him play in seven on seven, you know, just like some in, I don't remember. I mean, it just sounds like a humble brag. It was like it was like an invite only like seven on seven thing, and it was oh. like a bu- him and a bunch of other people. But the thing about him 
what I remember about him playing against all these other people was that dude was just so much more athletic than every single other person on that field, not just in speed, but the jump, the size, the, like the, the jump and the, the strength, the hand strength, the ability to go up and just snatch a ball away from somebody. I mean, Jalen Waddle was my height. I know it says 5'10 on the NFL website. He's not 5'10. He's probably 5'9. He's, we're about the same height. And, but I can't dunk. I can't do was, up between the legs. He, dunk. Was, a, he was a freak. He's athlete. a freak. I remember. Yeah. Nibble is not that kind of freak. Exactly. And he's not, and he's not, again, not, not beating down the kid. I don't see natural ball skills. You see what I'm saying? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I just see a fast guy, straight line fast guy. Yeah. I mean, but I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm I mean, I'm not saying. saying Ryan Niblett can't be a guy like Dodge. Dodge, yep, Dodge. Like Dodge or, <laughs> you know, DJ Moore or, you know, guys who just are speedsters and can, you know, can can turn on the Jets. But, you know, we'll, it'll it'll be more of a process, I think, than most people in the services believe right now. And, you know, I, I've been wrong before. I was wrong on Troy Marier. I think still he was a better wide receiver if he didn't have needs of glass. Um, and I was completely wrong on him. Uh, I thought, you know, and Ryan Niblett could come in and immediately prove that, hey, you know, I, I was not playing wide receiver much last year because I was the team's best player. And there's a reason why I am the best player and I'm really good. And then come in and, you know, moss some kid uh, in, in spring or guess, uh, in, in the fall, in fall camp. So we'll see. Next guy. DeAndre Moore, last second commitment, uh, day after signing today, actually. And uh, out of St. John's Bosco, uh, mm-hmm. a really great program in California, one of the better programs is them in Matter Day. Darius, when you watch this guy, another highly rated wide receiver, what are you seeing? So DeAndre Moore is about, if I have to guess, he's about 5'11". And he's a thicker guy. You know, he's built more like a running back. He's about 190 pounds. So with Moore, we're talking two completely different things here. I don't have any questions about Moore's ability to as a route runner. Um, I think he's got good hands. I think he's a natural wire. He, I think he's a hell of a player. Okay? Mm-hmm. My thing, and I think he's profiles more of a, as a slot in college because, again, he's not 6'2", 6'3". He's closer to, you know, 5'10", 5'11". Okay? Um, this is my thing with DeAndre Moore. And this is something I think that college programs, college coaches, if you're worth the crap, you're going to have to pay attention to in the future. DeAndre Moore was at a different school every year in high school. Okay. And I think, especially dealing with wide receivers, right? Wide receiver. And you, I mean, you talked, you started at the beginning talking about how important it is and everything. And I mean, I played it. So I get it. Right. It's going to sound crazy coming from me. There is no position on the field that relies on its teammates more than wide receivers would be able to do their job if you think about it. Um, I think Moore is a talented kid. He can come in and make an impact. I have concerns about him finishing his career at Texas because like he changed schools every year. That's just a that's a red flag to me. Um I know that, you know, part of his big deal with Louisville was, you know, he's a guy that cares about NIL and things like that too. And I just think you have to be careful because I mean we can pretend like we don't know all we want to, but I mean Texas just did it again this year with with, with Worthy. They're renegotiating, right? Mm-hmm. You can do that as a coaching staff, as a head coach. How many guys do you want to deal with that with? And and how much of it can you have in your program before it becomes, you know, cancerous? Um, and that's not me calling this young man a cancer. I don't know him personally at all. But I do know he changed schools every year in high school. I do know he's a guy that cared about NIL. So I just, 
You know, if he's not getting the touches he thinks he should have next season or playing as much, is he a guy that's even going to finish the year? You know what I'm saying? So I have my reservations about how excited I get about him. But as a football player, just evaluating the talent and what I see on video and with the ball in his hands, mm-hmm. this is a hell of a player. This is a national top 100 kid. This is a, this is a, <laughs> this is a football player. And even but, with, without the ball in his hands, that guy is a hell of a route runner. I mean, that's yeah, kind of no, something that's missing, especially these days in you know recruiting. You're looking at the size, the speed, but what people don't look for often is does he catch with his hands and how is he as a route runner? Oh, he's cold. I don't question his football playing ability. I mm-hmm. just question if he's going to be at Texas longer than a year. <laughs> but we'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great pickup for Texas. I, I think the day before when it looked like he was going to stick at Louisiana uh, – uh, at Louisville because he kind of, he kind of went dead uh, behind the scenes. He kind of went dead on, on the Texas coaches and he kind of went dead on the Texas recruits the day yeah. before he committed. Uh, it looked like he was staying at a uh, Louis uh, at Louisville, but uh, all of a sudden, boom, sends his papers in the Texas. I, so, I can't, I can't ignore that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I was like, Texas needs another wide receiver. And then out of the blue come, here comes DeAndre Moore. I will say in this class, and I think you, you did say this earlier too, you don't have a ton of height. I mm-hmm. think that you still see, you're going to see that height come from the portal because Isaiah Nayor still not going to be ready for the spring coming off that ACL. Really? Where? Wow. No, because he, he tore, remember, think about it, he tore right before the season started. Oh, you're right. Oh, so I'm saying he's not going to be ready for the spring. Oh, man. So you know what I'm saying? You don't have, you're going to, ah, it sucks. <laughs> it's going to be all about the speed during the spring. And you know, Worthy's not going to, nobody's going to be allowed to touch Worthy. So he's not going to be out there that much. So it's just, I need to find another body in the portal, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's got to be the right fit because that portal guy can't be expecting to come in and think he's going to be starting and catching right. eight balls again. Maybe like a top guy from the FCS. That that guy, but he's going to want to. I don't know. They'll figure it out, man. We'll they, see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, offensive tackle, uh, always a position of need. Honestly, uh, even this year, even after last year, uh, you know, you you have obviously a freshman All American in Kelvin Banks. Christian Jones went from a long-term project that didn't work out to a guy who actually was really good. Now you're looking for your next guy up. And these are your two guys you're going to be stepping in. Obviously, we believe here that you probably need about a year or two under your belt as an offensive lineman before you are truly ready, unless you are absolutely special as a player. Uh, I mean, we even saw that last year with Cole Hudson. I mean, Cole Hudson played well, played valiantly. But my God, was he absolutely atrocious when it came to run blocking. He just needed another two years under his belt as a run blocker. But these are the two guys coming in uh, at off the tackle. Jaden Chapman, in my opinion. I I think I'm, I could be wrong here uh, in terms of, you know, not, I think I could be differing here uh, in terms of who I put where uh, than you, Darius. But when I watch Jaden Chapman's film, he might not have the arms, but I see him as a right tackle guy. Uh, who is lanky and sort of has that build as an offensive tackle. And on top of that was mean as hell. Uh, I, I didn't see him take a playoff uh, when he played, I believe it was his last game. I don't remember who they played in there. DeSoto uh, beat their ass. Was it DeSoto? Yes. Harker yeah. Yes. yeah, I did. Yeah, you're right. I did watch DeSoto. He didn't take a playoff, uh, but you know, he, it's hard to play DeSoto. Uh, went up against Billy Walton, did pretty well. Uh, so I, I'm, when I see Jaden Chapman, I, I see offensive tackle and I think he's actually a really good player. Uh, I think he's appropriately ranked as one of the better, better prospects Texas has this year. 
Yeah, Chapman's the highest rated offensive lineman. Um, Harker Heights. I, I, I found myself watching a lot of Harker Heights. We have a, we have a, we, we play our first round opponent during that district. So I, I've watched six or seven of their games over the past two years. They have a running back that I love, little guy, but he's going to Houston. Anyways, um, Jaden Chapman, uh, powerful, powerful kid. When he wants to go, he goes and that's who they run behind. Um, one thing I like about this O-line class, I can't speak on Peyton Kirkland, but the four Texas guys that they have, I can say I can, I can vouch for. When their teams needed to get a play done, needed to get something done, they ran behind those guys. And that's usually, you know, those are the guys you want coming to your program. Um, I think Chapman has the ability to play right tackle, but I do think that he probably best profiles as an interior guy. Um, I think that you're actually going to see, uh, Peyton Kirkland get that first shot, um, on the, on the outside. But no, I, I, I agree with you that Chapman currently is the best lineman in the class. Even though I will argue that I think Trevor Goosby possibly has the highest upside out of the group. Okay, I mean that's perfectly, uh, you know, fair. I think we can get to Trevor Trevor Goosby now. The other offensive tackle in this class, uh, out of Melissa. What are your thoughts on on him? It was between Texas and TCU for him, and he ended up with the Longhorns. Uh, thoughts? Uh, so Trevor Goosby, um, legitimate six foot six, uh, legitimate near seven foot wingspan. The kid can, he can double pump, dunk a basketball. Um, when you talk about those freak athletes, he's one of those freak athletes. Now he's going to need two years. You know, they need to lock him in the weight room with the strength coach and give him a sleeping bag and, and some food. And, you know, we'll yeah. see you, we'll, we'll see you in 2025. And great thing for Texas is they're in a position they don't need to see any of these guys till 2025, 2026. But if he sticks it out, if he sticks to the plan, he waits his turn. Trevor Goosby has the athleticism. He has the frame. The upside is there for a true, um, tremendous pass blocking left tackle. Okay. And you know, that's, that's invaluable in today's game. Will he ever be a power guy in the run game? I don't know. But as far as the zone blocking scheme, He's tailor-made for it with his athleticism, with his ability. Again, basketball player, soccer player, a lot to like with Trevor Goose. But, yeah, we're not, we're not going to see him. Yeah, we're not going to see him, though, for two, three years. And he's probably, what, 260 right now? He needs it. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, when you look at the other guys in this class, and obviously when you're looking at 24-7 on three, you know, you take two inches off and 20 pounds, 20 pounds off usually. Like you're saying, he's, he's a legit 6'6", so keep that. Yeah. But take twenty pounds off. He's two sixty. The next guy beyond that uh, was you know the next guy up is is Jane Chapman who was listed at three hundred, probably like two ninety. Uh, so he's nowhere close to that three hundred uh, that Court Flood is going to want or Kyle Flood is going to want. Um, right. So we'll see. We'll see what you know. He's a guy. He's a, he's one of those project players. Uh, let's get to the offensive line. Uh, the inside linebacker. In, let's get to the interior lineman. Uh, you said Peyton Kirkland probably going to be off the tackle. I think when I watch I this film, yeah. uh, he's got kind of a lumbering, <laughs> uh, short arm guy, but he'll he'll lay on you. Um, so I mean, I, that's what I saw when I watched when I watched his film. Uh, from interestingly named Doctor Phillips High oh, School. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, I mean, what did you what do you see when you watch him? Oh no, hey, Doctor Phillips puts them out, man. You'd be surprised. It's one of those. Uh, I think it's a private school, but um, no, I mean, Kirkland. You can't teach size again. Talking another kid, six five, six six. He's about three forty right now. A lot of baby fat, a lot of bad weight on him. 
Um, I think he's got some lazy habits. You know, I, all I've seen is his highlights and I could just kind of just assume just looking at him, you know, big young kid, single mom. He needs, you know, he needs somebody to have her foot in his butt. And if he can stick it out, you know, he's a guy that he's another guy. Will right. He had he made two or three commitments and, you know, he's bounced around. Um, if he can stick it out, and stick to the program, you can't teach that size. I just I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I like I expect Peyton Kirkland to stick around at Texas for three, four years and wait his turn. Especially um, as an out-of-state out guy. As an out-of-state guy. But, hey, massive kid. When he wants to get going, you know, it's hard to it's hard to kind of hold your ground there. But he's another guy that, um, along with DeAndre Moore, I just – I don't know how excited I really can get because I don't, I don't know how committed to the process that he will be. Yeah, and on top of that, he's going to need to rework his body a little bit. When you see him in pads – uh, he's got that gut. He's got that gut. And it's not always a bad thing to have that gut, but he has that gut. Uh, <laughs> but he was talking on social media saying, you know, oh, 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 Arch told me he needed a left tackle. I'm just like. You're not a left he tackle, buddy. He's not. He's not. Yeah, it's going to be an adjustment period here. Yeah. So, uh, no, I wish him the best, though. Yeah. Uh, on the other side of the spectrum, Connor Stroh, a guy who is 100% in at Texas. I, I think every single tweet I see from him is like, oh, hell yeah, I love Texas. I love Texas. Like, Texas is the greatest. He's, he's like a raw, raw guy in this recruiting class, even though he's not the most highly rated player. Uh, when you're looking at Connor Stroh out of Frisco, out of Frisco Wakeland, um, another six, six guy, another over 300 pounder, uh, obviously an inside line, in, interior lineman. What are you, what are you expecting out of him when it comes no. to come playing at Texas? Stroh is freaking huge. Um, I can, I've seen him in person. I can, I can. I can verify that 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 six six and a half that's legit. Um, he's about three, he's three forty three fifty right now. Um, he's got better feet than I expected. Um, he is now he's a project. He's not anybody. You know he's he needs time. But I'll say this about Stro that I don't think holds true for some other guys. I don't see him as a guy that's going to be going anywhere. You know he's going to wait his turn and you know. I could look up, you know, four years from now and see him, you know, breaking into the starting lineup as a redshirt junior type of guy. But he's going to be a program guy. Like you said, he's committed. He's happy. He's excited to be going to Texas. And um, he reminds me of no, Hayden Connor. I liked Hayden Connor better as a prospect. I mean, I did. I did like I'm talking about higher. in terms of my, my, the, the, oh. the mind, the head. Yeah. The head no, is, is he's bought in. Uh, hey, I, I bet you there'll be. Hey, he's going to be Hayden Connor's little brother. I, I, I bet you he's going to be following him around everywhere. But um. I like Stroh, ginormous guy, uh, project though, project. Speaking but, of um, ginormous projects, in terms of size, Andre Kojo out of Mansfield, Timberland. I, I know I, when I watch his film, I actually like him a lot better. Okay, yeah. I like, I really like his film, and but he is also extremely young. Uh, he's he's like the Mora Ojimo of this class, mm-hmm. where he's going to be graduating at 19 years old. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. again. 6'6", 345, can move, can mm-hmm. block, can do it all, really. Uh, you know, I, he is a project uh, just in terms of the fact that he is so young. But honestly, I, I he's strong. He, he's, he does everything right. I'm, it, again, I still feel you need a year or two as an office alignment to get get into a system and build yourself up. But I really like this kid. 
I really like this kid for, you know, being, what is that, a low three-star? High, no, mid three. That's a high three-star. Yeah, star. ignore the rankings on Kojo. So, Mansfield Timberview has had one of the best running games in DFW over the last few years, okay? And, Will, I've watched seven or eight of their games over the past two years. They got a running back I love, right? Whenever they need to get somewhere, they go behind Andre Kojo. I was floored when I found out the other day that that kid is in the wrong grade. He's supposed to be a junior. Okay. Yeah. That just, that, that I like him. Yeah. I like him a lot. I do like him okay? too. And he is strong. Now he's less legit, baby fat, baby weight, bad weight, but he is athletic. When he gets going, he is, when he flashes, Kojo flashes as well as any kid in this Texas class. And to find out that he's actually a year behind everybody um, age wise, he knows he's not going to be expected to play for a little while. I, I, I love the Kojo pickup. He might, outside of Goosby and Chapman, you know, I said outside of those two. I, I, I like Kojo a lot, man. I, I think that, um, I think you win with, I'm, I'm just so excited for Texas that they finally get to have a process and a program in place where they at don't even offensive have to see line. These guys. At right, offensive to, line. This is, this is new. We're usually talking about like, oh yeah, Texas got like two offensive linemen to add to mm-hmm. their class or, you know, maybe three or four. We're talking about five. And they're yeah, probably going to, you, you know, six. It's not one of those skill spots, too, where you don't see, you don't hear about a lot of linemen unhappy mm-hmm. with playing time and things like that. You know, they mm-hmm. kind of, they understand, you know, it's a process and they, they're a little different. Now, Kirkland a little different. Out-of-state guy likes attention. But, you know, you don't got to worry about those guys, you know, leaving on you, quitting on you. So, right, right. I, I, I really like this group, man. I do. Well, I let's do. get to the next position. Speaking of out-of-state guys, Spencer Shannon and Will, Will Randall. Uh you got your guy who is your primary pass blocker. Uh, you got your, your your blocker just in general. You got your guy who is your stretch wide receiver. Um, you were hoping you would get pimped in. You were hoping you get Deuce Robinson. Where did Deuce Robinson end up? He hasn't signed. Uh, probably not to Texas. You know, maybe. That would be great if he did. Uh, but I don't, I don't know why they're trying to take all these dang tight ends. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's just to next year is Jatavian Sanders last year. So they're trying me, to find somebody else who can be that threat up the middle, like Jatavian Sanders. So they're just they're taking they're taking a few guys, especially since they didn't take many last year. Um, and we'll see that that was what Deuce Robinson was supposed to be. He was supposed to be your replacement for Jatavian Sanders. Hopefully, Will Randall or Spencer Shannon can step up. Well, so whereas with in the Texas offense when they go twelve personnel, two tight ends, Gunnar Helms typically are why he's our our, our attached tight end and Jatavion mm-hmm. Sanders typically our move guy. Spencer Sanders, Spencer Shannon is going to be your Y in this class. Will Randall, who also happens to be Arch Manning's buddy, is going to be your H back. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the last part about being Arch Manning's buddy, listen to me here now. Okay. My former H back speaking here. Okay. Will Randall is going to play during his time at Texas. Will Randall is going to get thrown the ball during his time at Texas. Okay. Just, just so we understand everything that's, that's going to happen. Are, right, is this fact. is this you talking politics or is this you talking skill? Oh, it's politics. Okay, but I don't I don't think that Will Randall. I don't think he's sorry. I I think he's a very natural pass catcher. I, I like him as an H back type of guy. I don't think he's ever going to block anybody at the at the power five level. But you shouldn't be asking him to, right? That's what you're bringing Shannon for. But anyways, on the same note, let me apologize on this podcast. Let me be the first to apologize to Spencer Shannon. Okay. When I first saw his commitment, I wasn't excited. When I watched his tape, I'm like, oh, he's a pretty good blocker. He's going to be a future offensive tackle probably because I'm the, no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. And I, I owe Spencer Shannon an apology. 
Spencer Shannon is going to add 30, 40 pounds during his time in college, right? Spencer Shannon will, as much as he gets after it in the run game, he's a heck of a blocker. He's got nice hands, okay? I underestimated. I did not, I did not do my homework on Spencer Shannon, okay? I have a newfound respect for Spencer Shannon. I'm expecting Spencer Shannon to be a contributor during his time at Texas. He's a, he, he has the potential to be a true two-way tight end that gets after your butt in the run, in the run game and can still move the chains in the passing game. Now, is he going to go up? Is he going to be, what's my man with the Vikings, TJ Hawkinson? No, okay? But can he catch a ball, drag two guys, and pick up 12 yards? Yes, okay? Gunner, sort of a so, Gunner Helm type player? Or? And they don't, even, they don't throw Gunner to off. Gunner, I think Gunner is a – Gunner was more of a seam threat than Shannon will be. Gunner, mm-hmm. but Gunner blocks. He does his job. He does what he's asked to do. But no, he'll come in behind Gunner Helm and they'll keep that thing rolling, man. But I, I see the vision here and, and the hope is to get the high rated guy, the star type of guy where you can throw him the ball, right? But Will Randall's going to be, Will Randall's going to be your guy going to the flats. You know, he'll be your RPO. Boom, hit that for eight yards, nine yards. Um, but they don't have that star. It's not, come on now. It's not a lot of, you don't find tight ends. Javion Sanders comes through once every, you know, seven, eight years where he's available to you, right? Right. So where they're available they're to you, yes. Right. I was like, so I was no, like, there's some great tight ends coming out these days, but yeah, where they're available to you, yeah, it's hard. Right. So no, I, I get it with Shannon. I apologize. I was wrong. I misevaluated him at the beginning with Real Randall. That's Arch's buddy. He's gonna play too. I get it. Hey, I'm, I don't, I don't have a problem with that tight end room. All right. Last room, running back Trey Wisner. Your boy uh, from DeSoto, talk to me about Trey. Yeah, Trey's from Waco. Okay, he went to uh, Waco Connolly um, this whole time before. Whatever. Anyways, um, DeSoto. So Trey is your true all-purpose back. Okay, he's a guy that he can't. You're not gonna hand him the. You're not gonna hand him the ball 25 times a game. You know, and ask him to, you know, wear down the defense and then finish him later on. Trey Wisner is a guy. That can be used a lot like Texas uses Keelan Robinson right now. Okay. He, he can catch, got really good hands. He can run some routes. Um, he's an explosive guy. Um, but he's more of a gadget type of dude. Um, I don't, Trey's not six foot or 200 pounds. I don't know what it's in him listed. Trey's about five, nine and a half, five, ten. He's about 175 pounds. Okay. But, um, all purpose guy. He's a, he's a nice weapon, you know, to have in your, you know, in your arsenal. Um, but he's, he's a complimentary back. Whereas, you know, Baxter is your, that's your bell cow type of guy, mm. but he's a nice, he's, he's that, he's a nice second back to have in the class. And he's a guy that can line up in the slot. He can be split out, motioned out and be a mismatch problem as well. I see. Yeah. Well, that's your Texas class right there. There'll probably be some transfers that come in over the next, over the spring. So they, oh up, yeah. Up you got to remember uh, the window don't close until May 15th. Yep. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see who transfers out. We'll see who transfers in. Uh, good luck to Hudson Card. Great player. Really enjoyed him. Really enjoyed covering him. Uh, he's he going to kill it. Uh, so, oh, and and uh, Junior Angulo, obviously, at Oregon. Going to Oregon. Oh, my God. They're like, those lucky Oregon. bastards. He's going to Oregon. That's that's your class. That's your uh, class, man. But, hey, Texas, on paper, it is it is the highest-rated class in over a decade since 2010. So, kudos um, to Sark. Kudos to kudos Sark. Kudos to Sark and staff. Uh, Got to keep it up. And that starts with Washington. Here's the second half of this podcast. We went an hour and 30, 20 minutes on recruiting. We'll go about 30 minutes on Washington here. Give you a preview of the Alamo Bowl. Again, it is the 29th at 8 p.m. Texas ain't trying to be seen on TV. 
They're trying to let the, the nation fall asleep on them. So they can whip up on the Huskies. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? I'm right. Uh, Washington this year finished 10 and 2 under their first year. Former Indiana offensive coordinator Kalen DeBoer, head coach. Uh, he had a, yeah, he had a pretty good year. They beat Oregon, Oregon State, Wazoo this year, uh, which great year for the Huskies, uh, beating all their rivals. Uh, but the one thing that they did do is they struggled away from home. They were, they were lights out at home, lights out at home. Uh, but the Huskies did lose to UCLA away. They did lose to a terrible three and nine Arizona state team who was so bad that they kicked their coach off. The, they kicked their coach out of the program after they lost to uh, Eastern Michigan at home. They had a good year, but it's, it's, you know, they struggled away from home and obviously they're traveling all the way down to San Antonio. So it's an away game for them here in Austin or in San Antonio. Next thing is about this full, this full team. So that's, that was their kind of season in 30 seconds. This team though, when you watch them, it feels very, very not like Mike Leach era air raid Texas Tech or early Oklahoma State teams high flying, but more like what is that? Like two, three years ago, Oklahoma State were very aggressive on offense and very aggressive on defense. High flying offense, very aggressive defense. They're blitzing mm-hmm. from all different angles. They are trying to beat you by inflicting negative plays on the defense. They are trying to get sacks. They got 35 sacks. This is one of the best teams in the nation. Um, they are they are blitzing their best players are their defensive ends. And Jeremiah Martin and Braylon Trice each had eight, eight sacks and 11 tackles for loss. And then the guys after that, they're kind of like good up the middle. Uh, Alex Cook with 54 tackles, their leading tackler. And then their linebacker, Alfonso Tuputala, with 33 tackles, three sacks, and six and a half tackles for loss. That's their 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 sent you know their backbone of their defense is pretty dang good, and then they have the two guys on the edges who can come around and and sack the quarterback. So that is what they are on defense, but they're very hot and cold uh, on defense, uh, as they as you would expect from a team that's very aggressive, trying to knock the ball, get PBUs, get uh, sacks, try to force turnovers. Although they were one of the worst in the nation at forcing turnovers. They left themselves open to giving up a number of big plays. They were among the worst in the country at giving up plays of 10 to 40 yards. They are one of the worst in the country when it comes to expected points uh, average, which means, you know, how many points should I expect on this play? Or how many points should I expect this play will contribute to giving me points? That's what it means. They're one of the worst in the nation. Just very, Mm -hmm. very inefficient on defense. Uh, that you know, I'm not worried about their run game. Their run game is is not great, but holding up against their pass defense, their pass pressure, the the running their defensive ends who are very good. It's like having Will McDonald and Trace Ford on either side. That's going to be a tough matchup for Texas. Although Texas has been decent to good in pass protection. Uh, Darius, when you come up against a team that is a you know, heavy blitzing, 
blitzing from all over, kind of Todd Orlando type defense. Mm -hmm. What are you expecting and how are you attacking that back? Uh, well, usually if a team's bringing, they, you know, they predicate everything on pressure and, you know, bringing pressure and things like that. Usually the, the different blitzes and things like that, they're going to, it's predicated upon where you are on the field, down in distance, everything like that. So if you just go back and you got time to do it because the bowl games give you hell, what, four, a month before the game. So you go back through all 12 or 13 games they've played this season, you'll find all those tendencies. So you know what to expect. And the crazy part about it is usually when there's a program that's doing a lot of gambling like that, usually they're, they're gambling for a reason, right? I want turnovers. Well, Washington, we talked about this before the show, Washington didn't force a ton of turnovers this year you know, to go along with that. So what that tells me is there are going to be turnovers on the entire year, to be yeah, exact. That's, that's, that's kind of crazy. I've never, I've never heard of that over. <laughs> so one a game, but what that tells me is, there are going to be plenty of opportunities for big plays offensively. And we don't have to do anything fancy. We just have to, again, understand the situation, where we are and what it calls for. And, and we have to get in the head of our opponent. We have to expect, you know, what are they going to be trying to do or what do they want to do in this situation? And it should, it should, I'm, with the way Texas does things, the way Sarks does things, he's really good at preparing. We've talked about with Sark, the issue is the halftime adjustments, right? I'm I'm expecting Texas to come out the first half of this this uh, Alamo Bowl, man, and really light it up, especially you know with all the time they've had to prepare, you know, and to scheme for this defense and you know when and where they want to do things. Right. So you're going to be down a Bijan Robinson and a Roshan Johnson, and while Washington isn't a great run defense, they're not terrible. I'm not worried about them, but they're not terrible at run defense. How are you going to make up for B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson not being on the team if you're the coach? I'm going to make up for those two by honestly, Will. I'm going to run my offense as if I still do have those two because everything we do is predicated upon those guys up front, right? And I don't, I'm assuming Cole Hudson is going to be healthy for the ball game, but um, I'm, I'm excited. DJ Campbell moves people. You know what I'm saying? Cam Williams moves people. Kelvin Banks, I'm I, I'm I'm getting behind those young guys, and because the truth is, that offensive line is the one I'm expecting to take me to those new heights next season. So, um, what I should be getting this week, this Thursday or Friday, is I should be giving the country a taste of what they should be expecting next year behind these big boys we have up front. And the truth is, it doesn't matter who we have behind them, even though these guys I got behind them, they ain't bad either. But um, no, I'm just giving y'all a glimpse of what's coming. And it's all about these five guys up front or six guys up front when I had that tight end in there. I think it's going to be, I mean, beyond that, I think, I mean, yes, I agree. I think Texas should run their offense as if they had Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. However, when you go, when you come into an issue, you can't rely on a guy like Bijan Robinson running him four times in a row. You're going to be a little bit more creative than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where you're going to have to rely on your freshman quarterback. And Quinn Ewers, which means that you're going to have to rely on him being able to understand where is this blitz coming from and where do I throw into it, right? Which is difficult. That's a difficult task to ask for your freshman quarterback. But that's what you're going to need in this this game is relying on Quinn Ewers to dissect a defense. Uh, we'll see how well he can do it. Uh, he has a month to prepare and he has a month to read this defense. But I think that's you're going to have to rely a lot on, on Quinn Ewers to win this game, honestly, uh, especially when the run game bogs down. Because, again, I'm not expecting the offensive lineman's run game 
de- you know, run game blocking, the run blocking to be vastly improved over a month? No, I mean, yeah, you're going to have to. The game's going to, there are going to be throws that have to be made to win the game, like there are in any game. But at the same time, I don't question, I don't have any doubts about, about Quinn Ewer's ability, you know, to, to, to use his arm to beat people, man. And again, I think, I think this week is just going to be an opportunity for him and for Texas to remind people, you know, who I am, what I'm capable of. And I should just be giving everybody a glimpse of what's coming, but I expect Ewers to have a good game. I do. I'm expecting Jonathan Brooks, um, Jadon Blue, whoever's running the ball. Keelan I'm expecting Robinson. them to have a good game. Keelan Robson. I'm expecting them to have a good game. So I don't really have any concerns. At the end of the day, the game doesn't mean much of anything. But um, it is going to be interesting to see how the run game does look without both of those guys. Because we haven't seen a Texas backfield without either one of those guys over the last three years. So Not against trash. Not against trash. <laughs> right. Yeah, so it's going to be different. It's going to be different. Right. Uh, so, I mean – I'm I'm excited to see how this how this offense goes up against this defense, but really what I'm worried about is how Texas's defense goes up against you know, Washington's offense because Washington's defense has been extremely inefficient and very prone to breaking you know letting up big plays. Which again, I think going back to that, I think Quinn Ewers' ability to hit the the deep ball, which Texas fans cringe just hearing that, is going to be huge. If Quinn Ewers and Xavier Worthy can connect, that would be giant towards going to winning this game. But the other side, and that's because the other side can score in the blink of an eye. And it's not because they run super fast tempo, but they are extremely efficient. They are, And it comes down to just a number of weapons that they have in Michael Penix, Grom Adunzi, and Jalen McMillan. On top, and add in Jalen Polk, on top of a offensive line who is very efficient, on top of being led by three seniors, and then the offensive attack and the offense and talented offensive tackles. So that's what Texas is going up against in this offense. They, they will, they they just march down the field. They they will score in the blink of an eye, not because of a deep ball hit, although they will do that to you over and over and over again if you let them, but because they will take 10-yard chunks, 20-yard chunks down uh, uh, if you let them, especially if you're in zone. They will beat you. They will find those places in zone and beat you. The offensive line holds holds up enough that you can't get to the quarterback easily. They move the pocket a bunch. They, They roll Penix out often, even beyond the numbers to throw the ball. So it is hard to get to the quarterback, and even though he had a lower body surgery last season... He's still very elusive at 6'3", 215. Uh, he has the ability, and on top of that, while he's moving, Penix has the ability to put the ball anywhere on the field. So they'll beat you if you're in zone. They'll find the soft part in zone, which Texas has been atrocious at zone coverage this year. Atrocious. They will beat you in man because a Dunsey or Jalen McMillan or Jalen Polk, you have to put one guy on one of them, and that guy will get beat because those three players are great. They are great. Each of them for a thousand yards. Uh, Adunzi for got one thousand yards, seven touchdowns. McMillan had one thousand yards, eight touchdowns. Jalen Polk had six hundred yards, but a ton of touchdowns. I think he had twelve touchdowns. Those guys can beat you in man. So you're you're kind of 
you know, tossing your hands up as a defensive coordinator saying, okay, I know that if I stop the run, they'll just go to the pass. But if I stop the pass, they'll still beat me with the pass. Where, how do I, how do I take this team on? Um, I think if you're Texas, I mean, we talked about right before we switched over to talking about Washington's offense, we talked about Texas's offense and how we don't think anything should really change from a standpoint of running the football and, you know, establishing, um, the tone for the night. Um, it sounds like if you, you know, Washington wants to play fast break football. They want to get up and down the field. I think even though Texas, like you said, they haven't been great at playing zone this season. I think that the answer is to try to keep everything in front and force Washington to just, if Washington can run 11, 12 plays and drive down the field on you every single time, then more power to them. Let them do that. Right. But I don't think I'm not giving up the big shots in this one. I'm forcing Penix and that group to one stay out of their own way. No turnovers, no mistakes, no penalties getting behind the chains, but I'm going to force them to consistently make that play, make that read, make that throw, make that catch over and over and over and over. And I'm going to play it, you know, I'm playing it as if I'm coming at Washington like, like I'm like, like I'm a big 10 team. Okay. I want to control the clock. I want to wear them down. I want to hit them in the mouth to the point where we get into the second half late. They're, they're, you know, they're on tackling, they're reaching out, they're, they're tired of it. Then I start taking my shots as well. But I don't want to get caught up in this fast break football. I don't want a 49 to 45 football game because I'm not sure that that, that's more playing into Washington's hands in this one than it would, you know, be beneficial for Texas, like you're saying. Another thing about uh, Washington is honestly they haven't really played great defenses this year, so I- I'm interested to see. Hey, you know, is this fast break offense is is that possible against a team probably the best defense they have seen this year? Texas, when you look at the S and P plus SP plus rankings from Bill Connolly. And that is really my favorite rankings, advanced rankings to go by, kind of as one of the, the gold standard of advanced stat rankings. Texas is the 14th best defense in the nation. The best defense that or- that Washington played this year was Oregon State at 24. So it's it's not like they have played lights out against great teams. And Oregon State actually shut down Washington's offense they just couldn't stop they they couldn't score against their defense that was a real defensive battle which was surprising uh in the Pac-12 so we'll see how Texas how they do against honestly I think the best defense again the best defense they have seen this year and if Texas can assert their dominance on that defense slow down the game and let Quinn Ewers ease into this game I think it's a win for game I think it's a win for Texas but if Texas allows the Washington Huskies to continually beat them in zone and or go way over the top. I think it's going to be a long game for the Longhorns. Now, I think Texas, uh, it's it's kind of the opposite of what we saw under Tom Herman where Texas won a bunch of games but were not very much favored by the computers. Texas didn't win as many games as Washington this year, but they are favored by the computers. And every advanced stat says Texas should win this game. Uh, every advanced stat says Texas should, um, you know, Washington is is overrated for being a 10-win 10, 10 team. I don't like saying that, but that's what the computers are saying. I don't I don't know anything about advanced statistics and things like that, but I, I do know that, it you know, your statistics, it absolutely matters who you're playing. You know what I'm saying? As far as how those statistics get accumulated in situations and things like that. Um, I believe 
just going by the eyeball test. And I'm not, I've seen Washington. I've seen a little bit of Washington twice this year. I haven't bowl games are 75% in my opinion about desire and, 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 and want to and effort. I don't think Texas has a lot of guys that are, you know, have anything to be holding back on, on Thursday. Um, I think you got guys that are going to be in a, in a position that, again, are, they're trying to set themselves up, set the tone for, you know, what they're about to be doing in the spring and what the coaches can expect to see from them. Um, it's all about Michael Penix when it comes to Washington. It's all about, you know, can we, you know, can they keep him under control? You mentioned that Washington, they move him a lot. He throws to get the ball out quickly. They don't want him getting hit because they know they don't have much behind them. Um, I think with Texas, again, it's going to be all about limiting the big plays. And if Penix is going to sit there, if, if Penix is going to throw 80% against me, then fine. They deserve to win the football game. Okay. But I'm not going to give them anything cheap. I'm not going to give them anything, you know, um, down the field. I'm not going to expose my safeties who I know are the weak link, you know, of this defense. Um, so I think it's going to be all about, again, offensively establishing the run game, setting the tone physically, you know, with physicality and things like that. And then I think it's about defensively just keep everything in front. Okay. Obviously you have to stop the run. It all starts with stopping the run, but Washington doesn't want to run anyway. They want to run. They want to throw the football. I think Texas has the advantage in the team speed department. Okay. So it's going to be all about protecting the football on offense and then defensively let Washington prove that they can put drives together every single time on them. Um, Texas does that. Um, again, Sark usually game plans pretty well to start games off. I'm expecting Texas to score 14, 21 points in the first half. From there, it should be, I think 30 points should be enough to win this football game. So mm-hmm. we'll see. But um, it's all about limiting the big plays and, and establishing the run game offensively. Sure. My opinion. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can definitely see that. Uh, again, I kind of talked through how I feel this game should go if Texas wants to win it. Quinn Ewers has to beat the blitzes. Uh, they have to take care of the defensive ends of Washington. They have to be prepared and, and understand up front at the offensive line level, uh, all the, all the stunts, all the splits, all the, the reaches, the stretches, the, everything that they're going to do in terms of blitzes, the safety where it's coming from the corner, a lot of communication uh, to make sure that Quinn Ewers Jersey stays I don't know if it's white or or orange. No green on the jersey. That's that's what Texas got to do on the offensive line, and they're got to hit deep balls. They're gonna have to hit deep balls because they're gonna be there. And if you can hit those deep balls, get up get up early on this team. That's what Texas can do. And if they can do that, I think that's I think it's a win for the Longhorns. Now the defensive side of the ball again, this is the best defense Washington has seen this year. But still, Washington is a very efficient passing team. Uh, We'll see. I, I think you. I think you should be able to get a hit on Michael Penix, even though Texas has been pretty darn bad at getting sacks this year. Uh, I think again, like you said, keeping everything in front of you is going to be the key to this game. Make sure you keep it, and then game tackle. No deep shots. Don't let don't let Washington beat you over the top. Don't let them use their fast break defense or offense. So, I think I think that's the keys of the game there for this game, uh, Darius. I appreciate you hopping on with me, man. Uh, hope you have a good happy new year and I hope everybody else here has a happy new year, uh, especially our patron uh, patrons who have so dutifully sat through a, in two hour long show. Now, uh, let me specifically 
Josh Kester, Colt Chisholm, Brittany Marshall, and Matthew Tomini. Uh, I really appreciate y'all supporting the show. Huge shout out to y'all. On that note, though, thank y'all for listening. This has been 4th and 5, your Longhorn Nation podcast. Uh, Darius Terrell, Coach DT, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. That's really the only social media I've got. That's Coach DT underscore TFB. Always ready and willing to interact, you know, with 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 whoever, whenever, about whatever. Love including the Mavs, including about the Mavs. Oh, what about them? Oh, I just heard they're not having a great yeah. year. It's all right. I'm gonna enjoy one more one more year of Luca before he goes somewhere else. <laughs> and then good. you guys can find me on Twitter as well at W I L L B A I Z E R. That's Will Bazer. Uh, that's that's really the only one I go. I guess you could do Mastodon as well. Will Bazer or just Bazer. Baser, I do Baser, but uh, yeah, uh, we really do appreciate y'all, and we appreciate it more if you guys subscribe to the channel, rate it at five stars, and uh, you know, subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, we'll be back after the Washington game sometime, and go over the entirety of the 2022 football season and break it down, and you know what to expect for the 2023 season. Uh, Darius, you got any last words? No, man. Happy. I uh, hope everybody had a great Christmas. Happy holidays, everybody, and happy new year. Thank you all, like Will said. Um, wish you could do this more often, but you know, life. Life. But, um, definitely appreciate the support. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you all next time. Hook them.